episode 76 of the Church Digital Podcast, powered by State Aid Church Planting. Jeff here. Once again, we've got a great episode for you. Digging in here, getting into the individual, getting into the one, getting into the smallness of, of church online. Really, when we talk about church online, we often think of it as this big, massive, huge thing. But really, the success of church online is not found in its its large reach as much as it is in a much smaller engagement. And so we're going to talk a lot about that here within in this context. We're bringing in Lee Coat, executive pastor of the Crossing Church in, in Las Vegas, a large church. By the way, he's also does some work with uh, intentional churches, if you're familiar with that. But in, in context, we, we, did, we talk a lot in this episode uh, about individuals, not the mass of, of what's happening, but, but the smallness of the individuals and how we as a church can, can reach them. By the way, we're not talking about individuals that, that are just within the physical church building. We're not just talking about the individuals that are in a digital-only environment that are not attending the physical building. We're actually talking about both and how to develop an intentional uh, discipleship pathway, or as he calls it, a, a, a digital engagement pathway uh, that your church can utilize the technology component to start to engage and track with people in digital space, sure, but also engage and track with people who are going to your church for discipleship in the physical environment. Once again, digital. It's this combination of physical and digital working together to get this digital placement. And this here, this is what we really wanted to talk about. How do we engage people? How do we meet people? How do we build relations with people who are just watching church online and get them to a place where they are fully engaged and they're activated in ministry in your church, whether physical or digital only? Fascinating conversation. Really, really deep level stuff here. By the way, his engagement pathway, Lee's engagement pathway, we've, we've got a link to it in the show notes. We're going to talk about this a ton. So swing over to the show notes. Uh, check it out at, at the church.digital. There's a blog there. If you can't find it, go find, search for it and find it there. But access that information, have it available, because we're going to be talking a lot about this pathway through this podcast. So for the conversation, I'm bringing in Lee Coat. Executive Pastor Cross uh, Crossing Church in, in Vegas, uh, Ray Diarmis, Digital Pastor Christ Fellowship Miami, and of course myself, Jeff with the Church Digital and Stadia Church Planning. In a conversation that I'm calling "Digital Engagement Pathways for Your Church." Okay, everybody, here you go. So, what's interesting about the Crossing, uh, Jeff and Ray, is that we would say that for uh, as long as I can remember, we really had an online presence that was there uh, as a uh, either an introduction for people or a, a placeholder for people, maybe a substitution or a supplement for people that were unable to make it to our physical locations. And uh, that was fine. That was actually a strategy for us. So our online presence, I would say, outside of social media, really was limited to our Sunday uh, worship experience being broadcast. And so the way I would describe it is, we would bring our, our auditorium into your living room, but you would definitely feel as if you were watching our auditorium in your living room. There was small acknowledgements that you might be watching from somewhere else, but generally the content and the tone of 
our gatherings would have been directed towards those who were physically um, in the room. Obviously with COVID happening in March, um, we made a pivot and the pivot for us was not as dramatic as probably for some who literally had no online presence and had to pivot to figuring it out with iPhones and learn things like Black Magic and 720 and YouTube and things like that. But our pivot was more towards uh, how do we begin to build content towards an online audience and what does that look like? And some of that was technology and technical things that we don't need to talk about that's way outside of my lane. But more so, like, what is, to your question, what, are the, what is that audience? And frankly, I think the question that I hope a lot of churches are or have asked that we began to ask early on, which I'm grateful for, is are we just going to build a platform that holds our people over for as long as they are sheltering in place or not physically or are we going to build a platform that continues to reflect our values of you know um, helping people discover jesus and their own personal journey of faith and that word discover is a big word we'll talk about it even a little more later but that this idea of we wanted a platform that we could continually see people uh, come to Christ and come into community at the crossing. And so that really drove our decisions, obviously not within the first 48 hours, but within the first week or two, as we started to get our feet under us off the pivot and started to get organized, then we began to ask those questions moving forward. The funny part is we initially told people we're going to be online for two weeks. And as of this recording, we are 12 weeks and no end in sight as far as no physical gatherings for us here in Vegas. What kind of changes did you see? Uh, and I, I know that you guys had some discussions and you guys talked about it, but what would you say are some of the greatest changes that you've seen in terms of how you've adapted to this? Because I imagine a lot of churches are, are experimenting with different types of adaptations. And so, you know, what has been the secret sauce for the crossing? Well, I think I, think I would say, Ray, a holistic approach pretty quickly was important for us. And we'll even drive some of our decisions post COVID. What I mean by that is we, we pivoted initially, obviously, to bring our worship gatherings. And those took on a little bit of a different form, obviously, two camera, a little bit more compressed service times, um, things that were directed to that online audience, uh, action steps, those sorts of things, engaging in chats, um, empowering our staff to be very present and engaging in those rooms. But I would say even beyond that, making sure that our extended uh, ministry also began to have a presence. I'll give you one example. So we have a recovery ministry that meets every Monday night, as many churches do. Um, I, won't name the, I won't name the recovery ministry, but initially they uh, did not want us to take their content online. So we immediately pivoted and our recovery ministry became Crossing Recovery, which we call CR. And uh, we started recording uh, music and testimonies slash devotionals. And we've had that going on for since the beginning, especially for those people that really need that 12-step process, right? If that goes away, that can be life-changing for them and life-altering. So that would be an example of thinking that went beyond Sunday, what do we need to be doing to create not just an online audience, but really an effective online 
picture of what the church should be. Yeah, Jeff sent me a photo of the funnel that you guys are using. And why don't you just tell some of our listeners about that funnel in terms of how you see somebody moving from all of that online content that you guys are putting out there to actually being engaged in your church. And I think that that, that focus, the, the idea of a, of a pathway or a funnel is kind of our narrative of our, our optimum narrative of where we would want to see people move. We realize people do what they want to do in the timing they want to do it, but we believe it's important for us to have an optimum narrative because we want one to work that, scrub it all the time, see what's working, what's not and really measure movement off of that. So if someone links to the picture, which I'm sure Jeff will, um, one of the words they see is movement, right? That we, we're, these, are, these are not programs. I want people to understand. We're not taking all of our programs and pressing them into a, into a, a, a narrative. We're really saying, what are the key things that we wanna produce movement towards someone getting connected to Christ and getting connected to the crossing. And we say that over and over again. So within a week or two, we started pressing in and we have a physical location pathway that looks similar to that, but would include other elements that um, are for the physical um, uh, experience. And so we just basically said, what would a digital virtual experience of movement and connection look like? And the, the top of it is really our reach. We started asking the questions around how do we reach people who are far from Christ or far from church community and started looking at that and then moved our way down. What's interesting about it is there are handoffs as well. If you, if you look at that chart, there are certain places where there's, an, there's a handoff as far as who will be responsible for that person's care, that person's movement, that person's growth uh, along the pathway. And it all starts from our people just spreading and sharing to their to the ones in their life to use that term and then beginning to see those people take steps and so that was really the fruition of it it was taking what we were doing already and pushing it into a, an online context and now that will continue to lead to live for us um, indefinitely because it sh it really what has shifted our mentality towards that and i'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next question was what's going to hang around off of this post in terms of reopening? Like what's gonna stay? Yeah, and that's the question, Ray, right? That everybody's asking, right? Is what's permanent and what's temporary? And everybody has ideas and you can spend all day reading blogs and, and websites and listening to podcasts like this, you know, where people are telling you, uh, you know, on two sets of the one set is saying, everything's gonna eventually go back to normal. The other set saying, you know, sell your building, you never, nothing's ever going to be the same. We've taken kind of a last 10% approach where we've said, we're not sure um, how quickly, but we believe that uh, 85 to 90% of things will return to some degree of normal for us. People will eventually come back and want to gather and hug each other and do that. Um, so what our team has been really scrubbing is what's the last 10% that is forever mm -hmm. changed, number one. Or we want to forever be changed that we're going to make sure stays changed. So with the pathway, we have discovered one that there's some personal touch that we need to get back to with our guests that's beyond just them, beyond that mentality that they just want anonymity forever. And so we've learned that once they identify themselves that some personal touch is appropriate. Um, secondly, we've, we, we're using the term integration, which means like our discover step will be, be a physical step again, that people can come to campus, they can have lunch, they can walk around, they can talk face to face, 
but we'll also always maintain a virtual um, presence that people, whether online or whether they just choose to take it from the comfort of their home, will be able to always access um, as an integrated alternative. So those are, we're still asking and answering those questions, Ray, but that's part of what has been the light bulb moment for us as far as our movement from church just showing up online when you want it to this is an experience that integrates um, in an omni-channel type way with our church. So you can physically show up sometimes or digitally show up sometimes and you can play in both of those sandboxes and still grow in your relationship with Christ and your relationship with the crossing. Yeah, I, I love that omni-channel. We've talked a lot about that uh, on the podcast, going going back about how you're through Omni, you're trying to get a consistent messaging across multiple platforms. Typically, it's more like social media, making sure you're you're consistent across. But I, I love your approach of physical and, and, and digital both being a consistent messaging. Um, one of the things I'd love to know is who's watching. Like when, when you're looking at okay, so you've got eighty five to ninety percent who are physically going back to a building at some point, at least that's a guesstimate of what I understood, what you're planning. What do you know of, of the 10%? Are they people that are in Vegas? Are they people who used to be in Vegas and moved away? Or are they people who just are connecting with your church through, who are they? Like, wh where are you seeing these people come from? Our best way to, um, it, first of all, that's, there's some data that we have, obviously, Jeff, on that, but it's also pretty tricky. Like everything, the, the, one, one of the reasons why we have these conversations is the, the nuance of the digital world is it can be pretty hard to really nail down what's really going on. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, challenges there. But what we, I'll tell you what we're learning about that audience is, you know, and we're learning it a lot through our, uh, through our, our pathway because we're, as people are moving through it, that's a really good identifier because I think there's so many eyes on everybody's thing, right? I'm watching other churches. I'm, I'm peeking in on my friends or people I'm coaching. And so I know there's a lot of dialogue around numbers and how many do we think are watching and which platforms are best. Um, what I really see is as people start to move from the wider end of that funnel and they begin to actually take movement steps into connection is where we're really looking at going, okay, this is an integrated model because even if someone, I was on our Discover Lounge three weeks ago and there was a gentleman in New York outside of Manhattan who had been watching our service for four weeks. And I don't think this story is just anecdotal. I think it's, uh, it's at least an idea of where this can be. And he showed up in our Discover Lounge to take the next step. And he's gonna get in an online group from New York and he's gonna be with people in Vegas and people from elsewhere. So I think what we're learning is if you will lean in towards the one in your digital environments, not just as a supplement for your 99 who show up, that you will begin to open up the audience much wider, both locally and even beyond that, because the tone of what you're doing will tell them they are welcome there versus the tone of I'm watching a service that's for a bunch of people that live in Vegas. They, mm -hmm. they can pick up on that. But if the tone is, man, we're glad you're here wherever you're watching, that's key. I will say the caveat is we're not treating it as a broadcast. 
and I'm not sure I'm using the right word, so correct me, Jeff, in your world, but we're not looking at creating a crossing broadcast channel or, you know, a Christian network of content. That is, that's nothing wrong with that, but that's not our directive. We, that's why this engagement funnel we're talking about is so important. Because I think when you see broadcasts, they're not really looking to move people into that kind of community. And right. we're looking to see people engage in our church digitally. You know, it's, it's interesting. I just came out of a, of a meeting, a conversation just before we did this recording. And we were talking about physical first and we were talking about digital first and kind of the challenges back and back and forth with that. And, and somebody made the observation, um, hey, shouldn't we be face to face first? Like it's, it's not about the building. It's not about it's not about the technology. It's, it's about the relationship piece. And, and, and I was like, oh, that's good. I, I'm going to steal that because it really <laughs> is. It's, it's about that relationship, uh, that aspect of it. And, and, and you, you hinted at it. And, and, and I want you to dig in a little bit because we've not exposed the podcast to this yet, but I, I'm going to very quickly in subsequent episodes. Talk to me about the one. You talked about how instead of doing a broadcast reaching you're really interested in kind of reaching into and, and finding the one. I would love to hear and maybe explain a little bit. What, what is the one for crossings? Right. So um, there's a lot of different terms and I don't want to, I don't want to make people crazy who might be listening because you have to, you have to filter this conversation through the great commission, right? That our strategy drives our vision through our values towards our mission. And our mission is the great commission. And whoever's listening from a church context, we all have the same mission. Even if we have a cute statement that says something a little different, it's all based on the great commission, right? So then we back up into values and vision and strategy, which can get very diverse the further you get into strategy. And so for us to have the one in mind, Jeff, is crucial and key to the tone at which we set. And so we have conversations around things, as many churches do, like primary target. Who is our primary target? Doesn't mean the other targets don't matter, but who are we primarily thinking is on the other end of either sitting in a chair or has their device open and is watching us communicate and what is compelling about that experience for them. So you have churches all the time that'll talk about, you know, a 35 year old married male with two kids, things like that. Um, we have some variants of that that we talk about, but I think what's interesting and you bring up a great point because I think it will be interesting going forward to look at. And one of the things that online does allow you, right, is a little bit even an easier way of looking at uh, demographics that are viewing, you, you, especially with Facebook and some of those things, we're able to see who is watching, who are these people that are watching, what kind of content are they interacting with. And I think we will continue to tweak to answer your question. I'm not sure right quite yet who our one is online. I know they're there, but I think we'll continue to tweak as we can define that more and start, start to say. And we're having the conversation now around, do we go back to basically streaming what we're doing in the room or do we continue to create content that I would say is modeled after what we do in the room but is not an absolute mimicking of what we do in the room and that conversation is ongoing right now because we're talking resources and staffing and all of that but that conversation is about the one like how how are we going to reach the one that catches us online whether they live hmm. in Vegas or in Long Island 
and what's the best way to do that with the content we're giving them? So that's a long answer to, I think, a pretty important question that is yet to be answered for us in its entirety. But I think we're asking and you're asking the right question for sure. Yep. Yeah. And that's a hard question for so many churches right now is do we create content just for online, especially planning for reopening? Where right. you guys, I know you talked about how you're back and forth in the process, but what are you guys considering as far as what that would look like? In terms of hey we're going to continue but we're going to treat this almost as if it's a separate campus uh, in a unique neighborhood that we're trying to reach yeah we've we've taken the bold step of actually reintegrating one of our um locations that we had that was in a portable school because we just aren't even sure about their ability to meet and so we made the preemptive step in the last few weeks to um have them integrate back into one of our other locations, that, that group of people. And we made a staff change and moved that lead location person into an online lead role. And it's interesting, Ray, as I talked to him, he started thinking, you know, what does that mean for me as far as content creation, all that? And the conversations we've been having is, you don't need to worry that much about that. You need to pastor the same way you would pastor a physical location, do that create steps, make sure people are being cared for, make sure movement's happening, um, be online, right? So we'll do some live things with him and all of that. But I, I didn't put him in that role so that he could create content. We have people that can do that. I need him to be a pastoral, to Jeff's term, face-to-face -face, um, as much as possible um, for those individuals that choose to be part of our online uh, campus experience. So that's a preemptive step that we've already taken. We've also slowed our re-entry re probably more than some. We're not as anxious for re-entry. I just think that I've seen a shift in the last two to three weeks where there was a lot of language around the church is not a building and it's all good, you know, a church in multiple living rooms and thousands of, and, and it was great, right? And all of a sudden now re-entry has become a thing. And I feel like the 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 rush to to close has now become the rush to re-entry or reopen. And I'm, I'm a little concerned that even for us, ourselves included, that we're rushing to re-entry and we're going to miss the opportunities that God, to make it, which it is a spiritual thing, that God has given us in our rush to get back to what we knew as normal. And yeah. so we're, we're slower, partly because we have to be in our context right now, we, we can't meet and secondly, one of our guiding principles of reentry is we don't want to reopen until our physical locations experience can match or exceed what we're doing online. Mm -hmm. And right now, we could not even touch what we're doing online, even if we had bodies in a room. So we've taken a little bit of a harder stance on we're going to go slow um, to try to continue to maintain a hard online presence that will continue beyond reentry, And I just caution guys out there that have kind of said online, online. Oh yeah. That thing over there. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going away. Here's what's cool. We've exposed people while they were captive, <laughs> they were sheltered at home. We've exposed people to something that in January they would have said, eh, I don't really want to do that. Right. I like to be in church. I'm not saying they won't come back to church. I think most of them will. But when the suggestion is made or when the opportunity is now made for them to either attend or invite to an online presence, they're going to be way into going, yep, that's a great, we did that for three or four months. It's an awesome way to attend church. 
I'm not afraid of that. Right now, I'm feeling a lot of people going, I'm done. I want to go back to a physical thing. But as things start to settle in, I think there's going to be a lot of openness to that online experience. I want to lean in there yeah. for, real quick for a moment because reopening to me is not evangelistic. It's right. a little bit self-serving in the right. sense that we're rushing back, but really to get our own people in the door because non-believers don't care to rush to church right now. No, this is not an environment where people are going to be inviting their, uh, their ones into the building. It's just not, but you can still invite them online. And there's a, there's, there's a pipeline there, Ray, for sure. Right. And part of the reason I believe, and, and this may be unfair, and I don't want to caveat this part, this may be unfair of, of different folks' church, but part of the reason I believe that is because they don't have that discipleship pathway for online, which is why they're in such a rush to reopen. And so can you talk about how that is affecting your decision to slow the process down because you're still carrying people through this process? I think that's a, I think it's a valid point you make, Ray, is if, if, you're, if you're now let's say 10 to 12 weeks into the online almost exclusively, and you don't have some degree of an understanding of how we're gonna move people in an online environment, then I would say you are probably very desperate to get back into the building at this point because you've kind of stopped at the hour on Sunday experience. And I think your point is well taken. I think that as we develop an understanding of how we can actually disciple and move people and reach people, which we've talked about through an online experience, again, I think it can be cooperative. I don't think it has to be a destination model. I think a destination model is valid. And if that's what God's called people and given them a vision for, go for it. I don't think it has to be that. I think it can be an integrated or even a entryway type model but it needs to have that reach factor in order for it to be worth the resourcing that people are doing. I've actually encouraged a lot of people, Ray and Jeff, to not go full online campus. I've talked to guys that are like, oh, we're gonna be an online campus. And I'm like, I'm not sure that you're quite ready or have the understanding of what that really means. So it's okay for you to just go back to a re-entry model or an, um, an entryway model that just sort of is a front door for your one, that's, that's totally valid. It's okay to do that, right? To create an environment where people can see before they come. Totally, totally a, a valid reason to have an online presence. I just think we have to make those decisions and then create that pathway that will allow people to not just be at a dead end, which I think is what we're experiencing right now is kind of a, yeah. a dead end. At worst, hopefully we're learning in this COVID season that, that online can complement what happens in the building and the two can work together. Maybe not a, as a, a holistic carbon copy. And, and I'm even fascinated with one of the things you said earlier where you were like, yeah, there's some things that we do digitally, but we just opted not to do it in, in, in online. And so there is, there is a place for, for online to function, maybe in tandem or complementing and filling in some of the, some of the weaknesses of online at minimum. Uh, but there, there's an option for, uh, part of what I think that could be is, is in this role of, of, of discipleship of, and you, you listed online groups and, and community response and, and some of these things within your digital engagement pathway. And these are very strong words. These are very strong ideas that sometimes the church struggles to get uh, a large majority of their people in groups because it's another thing. And the one hour small group is really three hours of dragging my kids all around the city and trying to get things. And, and I'm exhausted. I can't handle that. But we're starting to discover, man, 
online groups really isn't that bad. And, and yeah, I'm digitally exhausted, but it's not digital's fault. It's the, I'm digitally exhausted because I haven't had any physical interaction. If I had a balanced life between digital and physical, maybe this stuff would actually really work better. And, and so talk to me a little bit, you know, talking about the crossing, how the digital and the physical really complement each other or how you're planning to have a complement and work together to get people to where you want them to be. Yeah, we're leaning in hard to the integration. What I, we're using the term integration, which is that, you know, omni idea of we want as much as possible to have some sort of a relationship between the physical. So I'll give you some examples that are all still obviously in a lot of beta forms, but, you know, um, you mentioned groups. I think one of the things that we've discovered is, again, that captive audience where we were able to not only pivot groups that were meeting physically to online, but also we were successful. So pleased with our team, because I know this is harder than I'm making it sound. We were successfully able to launch um, quite a few groups, just strictly online, groups that had not existed before that people were, you know, shelter in place. And we said, what we did is we pivoted to a four week message based group model for the duration of this time. And our idea was, you can give it four weeks and if it doesn't work or life changes, you're out. And it's all message based. Nobody's got to have a study. You don't got to watch a video. You just attend on Sunday, which helped drive that. Show up on a Tuesday night, have a conversation around questions we've sent out. It's not rocket science. Church has been doing it. But to be able to do that online and say four weeks and then in four weeks, we're going to do another launch or you can stay with your group. The thing we've heard a lot is what we're calling a hybrid, which means we're going to have a lot of groups that are going to start meeting physically a time or two a month. We're going to have dinner and meet because we want to. But man, think about childcare. You mentioned it. Like that's the big thing with groups, right? Is what do we do with our kids? Imagine groups that meet once, twice in person, but then on a Tuesday night, mom and dad put the kids to bed and at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, there are group meets virtually online. And so mm -hmm. you can actually meet more consistently because you can meet more conveniently. And we believe that that will be part of what we do um, going forward. We're also looking at shifting things like alpha. We've got groups launching this week with alpha online. Um, things like FPU is creating a lot of digital content. So we're partnering with a lot of these organizations um, that we will continue to have physical options for that down the road. But there will be a, again, there will be an integrated digital uh, opportunity there for almost everything that we have on our campus. Um, we're, we're still trying to have conversations around things like next gen ministry. What does that look like? Those converse right now, they have an experience that's there and available. Um, we'll have some conversations around what that looks like in the new normal. So if somebody uh, attends a physical small group, but they decide they want to attend services online, um, Love forever. It. I mean, Love like it. that's, that's no Love pain it. point. No, like not being in the building. Um, how did your church get to that place? I mean, this is, I mean, yeah, COVID may change some things, but that, that's a hard uh, pill to swallow sometimes. And it's, it's a hard place for, you know, a senior pastor standing on stage who's used to identifying with people in the room, uh, you know, who needs that, that energy to speak to. Like, talk to me a little bit about how, how your church got to this place where you're okay doing this, really, this hybrid, this digital model. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. I think I would caution guys again that are listening to this, like, you know, Lencioni just came out with his book about motives. 
and sometimes in this re-entry time, I, I'm, I'm just wanting guys to just kind of at least pray through what are, what's the motivations that are going on right now with your timing? You know, how much of it is, is motivated by something other than um, an authentic need for people to gather during this season? And again, I, I'm not trying to answer that question. I just think, I hope guys are asking it authentically and making decisions based on that. I think for us, I think we're um, fortunate enough to have a team that sort of uh, lives in that, what's the, you know, give me some fresh meat, what's the next hill to take? Um, and so I, I realize that not every team is, is comprised that way. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, it might be time for teams, no matter how big or small your church is. Um, I love that three box solution. I can't even remember the name of the guy who wrote the book, but maybe we can reference it there. It had nothing to do with church, but he basically, I'm going to mess it up, but to paraphrase, he talks about how really successful organizations always are maintaining their core business or core thing. They're eliminating things that no longer are effective and they're innovating. But he talks about how those boxes don't necessarily um, touch or interact all the time, that you can have your primary business. It's like Apple, right? They're over here selling you an iPhone while they've got a group somewhere in Northern California that's already created the next thing that we don't even know about yet and when it's ready. So I think I would encourage churches to make sure that they at least can take some people and put them in that innovation box and go, what are the things that we aren't doing? We can go ahead and stand in front of the people and preach and do all that stuff. But do we have somebody over here that's thinking about what's next and we're giving them at least enough, uh, uh, enough gasoline poured on it that they can start to create and, and start to integrate that stuff into what our core model is. And I think we've, we've tried to do that as much as possible. Um, to use somewhat of that concept of going, yeah, we got to do what we do, right? We got to do what the Great Commission calls us to do. But let's let's keep this going over here and let's see what works and let's integrate it into what is the core. And so I don't care how small or large you are. I think churches can innovate in their context and their demographic if they will allow the guys, if it's not you as the senior leader, but you've got people on your team that want to do that, put them tech, quote unquote in a box over here and let them innovate a little bit and see what it might do as far as your kingdom impact in the context that God's placed you in. Yeah, that makes for a very agile church, but and it also means uh, you're not worried about tomorrow, Matthew 6, 34, tomorrow worry about itself. You're just putting trust in, in today with that. But you also, you have to let go of, of a lot of the, the tensions and control because you're now trusting the guy that's in the innovation box. By the way, it's VJ uh, yeah, I, can't yeah, I cannot do it. We'll include the link in the show notes. I Googled it real quick. It sounds TED like talk. it's a really interesting box. Yeah, he's yeah. got a TED Talk that if you don't want to read, you can just watch the 10-minute TED Talk and you'll get the gist of it. It's really good. Sounds good. We'll link to that too because I'm all about the 10-minute TED Talk. That's yeah. awesome. But and there's a piece of this where you're, you're letting go and you're trusting the guy that's in the box. Um, and so suddenly I have like Brad Pitt flashes what's in the box right now going through my head. So apologize <laughs> for that. Don't, we won't link to that in the show notes. But um, at, at, at the core of this, you guys are starting to, to, uh, to, to utilize this digital pathway to connect with people within your, within your physical location in a hybrid model. But you're really also starting to pave the way for a digital only crowd, people who 
are not attending the the physical church for for whatever reason. And and you've talked about how you're okay if somebody does a hybrid of a digital approach and a, and a digital uh, only to even to to that extent. So when when you when you check the extremes of of your pipeline, I'm even thinking like. Uh, you know, uh, within this funnel, I'm seeing the the reference to community responses and, and things like that. What does this extreme look like in a in a digital only environment? How does somebody get involved in the community if they don't if they don't live in Vegas? What what does that look like for you guys? I, I think that'll be really important for us to continue to press in value that's beyond. Um, where you are physically. It's not about where you are, but it's about the value that supersedes all of that, right? So, and again, that's a tonal change for us. So obviously the large majority of people who attend the crossing, even if they're digital, but local, which will be still a large majority, will be able to respond to the Las Vegas community. But we are beginning to have um, some push into going this value of community response, partnership, love, love thy neighbor as thyself. If you're in Long Island, if you're in San Francisco, if you're watching in Wisconsin, we want to empower you and to push you through messaging and through um, influence to engage that way where you are. Um, because, you know, I think we all would admit there's an institutional vision that we all have that causes us to start churches and to lead churches but that any good institutional vision should lead to an individual vision, right? Where the person now starts to see the church's vision as my own, right? It's the person who goes and feeds somebody with the church and then realizes my neighbor's hungry across the street and walks across the street. So in the digital world, especially for those that are outside of our direct um, uh, physical location, that we're gonna need to lean in more to helping them understand this is an institutional vision, this is a great commission, then it's a crossing vision, but then it becomes your individual. We can't mm. tell you in Grand Rapids, Michigan, what this looks like for you, but man, if you're really living out fully what it is to be in Christ and to be in community, you better figure it out, right? And I can even see a day where we'll feature a lot of those things in our social media. You'll start to see pictures of people outside of our immediate area living out their faith that we're talking about and telling stories about in these places that we've never met except online. And to me, that is freaking amazing. Yeah. So at what level um, would you consider somebody to be not just fully engaged in the church who watches online, but actually involved into such a, gr a degree that you're considering them almost key leadership in the church? Because we, you're, you're pushing some barriers here, which is great, but you know, I don't know if you guys do membership, for instance, at the crossing, but if you guys don't do something like that, then at what point would you take the outside uh, consideration into major leadership decisions that you guys are making? So you just reminded me of something that I'm, I'm going to answer your question with this um, and push on me if I don't get to the, the answer. But um, we, we use the term activator. Um, we don't have membership. I, I'm, not, I'm not, not a fan of membership. For us, we just use this term activator. And we define it somewhat by an individual's movement through that narrative of the pathway, right? So it's not just you're an activator because you serve in the nursery once a week. It's, it's a much more holistic understanding of, you know, you're, you're gathering with others, you're in community with others in a smaller form, and you're um, living selflessly. That's kind of how we define it. You're living selflessly in the way you give, you go, you use your gifts. So we, we have, we, you know, we've got t-shirts that say activator. So if you've got a t-shirt, that means you've got a thing, right? 
Um, and during this COVID, about three weeks ago, we decided we need to touch base with these people because normally we would have a gathering about three times a year with a meal and rally and, um, you know, cast vision. So we did a webinar and we put it together and it was crazy because we tried to do a webinar that was um, kind of live slash pre it was it was technically it was crazy um, for rookies like us but it was amazing had over 400 people RSVP show up um, we don't know how many viewers that meant and just able to check in and, and cast more vision and share stories around that and so I can see now again Ray to your question someone in Grand Rapids I don't know why I'm picking on Grand Rapids but somebody in Grand Rapids <laughs> who really connects with Christ, they consider themselves part of our community and they're living out that selfless living. They're in an online small group, they're attending, that they, we're gonna create an environment where if we're live in the room with our activator night, you better believe that you're gonna be able to join that in a digital way um, when that's happening. Um, in real time is my expectation, not, hey, catch it later, but in real time so that the Grand Rapids activator will have the same experience as the Las Vegas activator. And I, it's funny because that sounds really amazing and it really doesn't sound that far reaching to me now. Yeah. Me in January, I would have said, what's the point? So um, I sound very confident. I need to tell the listener, like this is all stuff that's blowing our mind over the last three months. So um, it's okay. To, it's okay for me to sound like I'm really confident when really I'm just learning like the rest of us. Well, and it gets back to we're, we're driven or we're motivated by face-to-face, -face, which calls out the individual. Kerry Newhoff just recently posted like his seven trends or seven changes or seven something that you have to do five, to be effective. Six, oh, my gosh. He's, I only he's, have three. He always has five. Yeah. I'm always he's like, always got more. Always more. Kerry's but a content machine, man. He's you a know he's got to have lists. Oh my gosh. He's got list in He's got list in the next year of five this and six that. Dude, dude's yeah. got more content than Netflix, man. Like he, he's just crazy. <laughs> awesome. Well, the thing that the thing that I want to draw attention to is because he said he said like the old like he's like analog is the old way, digital is the new way. It was like one of these types of things. And he's like, global's the old way, local's the new way. And it's amazing to me how many people have come back around and, and they're like, that doesn't make sense. Local's the old way, global's global's the new way. And, and, and it's like, you know, you don't, you don't understand the heart, what, what we're, where we are right now. It's about the individual and the church's role in empowering that individual to be on mission, to be an activator where they are in their local community. The global approach was my church has to be everywhere. The, the approach that Carrie Newhoff was hinting to is I don't have to I the church don't have to be everywhere. I need to be connected with people and I need to be empowering them where they are, which were other of his big buzzwords, empowering and, and connecting to get that individual to, to be that. And, and the story that you're telling in, in Grand Rapids or, or any of them <laughs> that we're dealing find with. somebody that, in Grand Rapids yeah, right now. Evidently, man, you're, you're listening like and you're in Grand Rapids right here. That makes me hey, happy actually, because I was the guy listening to like preachers and they always told you write to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we'll send you a book. And I was like, yeah, Grand Rapids, that just sucks. It's like, probably in my subconscious, Ray, somewhere that that's like the address that you got to mail your check to. Zondervan is based out of Grand Rapids. I'm just saying there's, there's got to be something up, up there in, in publishing. It's interesting, so. I think, if you, 
You know, Jeff, you mentioned Kerry, and he's obviously a great asset to churches, and I love what he writes about. One of the things he's been discussing that's been a bit of a, uh, a tension for us is that most people are, most churches are now experiencing a flattening of their digital attendance, however they were measuring it. And we could have a whole nother podcast around that. But no matter, no matter how they were measuring, I think most everyone would say they've seen a flattening. Um, and so it's interesting because Carrie has continued and others like, like our, us have continued to say there is a future for digital. And I think we're also experiencing in my conversations, guys that are going, man, I want to buy into that. But the numbers I'm seeing now are starting to make me nervous that maybe um, I'm not ready for that, right? That you're saying it's digital, but people are flocking or flying away like crazy. Why should I lean into this? It sounds like I'm asking you guys the question, but why should I lean into this? Why should I resource this when I'm seeing people start to back away? Yeah. Um, and so I'm Me, concerned, concerned people are going to respond to that inappropriately. Yeah, what I've been telling a lot of folks who've, who've been dealing with that too is I, I remind them of 9-11. You know, if you planted a church like the week before 9-11, odds are your church that week two was packed, like right after 9-11. Uh, in terms of people like culture, especially running to the church, just looking for a place to go, looking for answers, looking for comfort, call it whatever you will. And then slowly trickling off, like as that event subsides, as we kind of come to a better understanding of normal. That's how I've been explaining to my leadership in terms of, man, those first few weeks leading up to Easter were spikes, man, what was going on there? And I'm like, yeah, everybody wanted a piece of Jesus because they thought the world was going to end. Now they're kind of living in this and they're thinking, well, maybe things in, in the apocalypse aren't as bad as I thought. The world didn't end, so what am I doing? Well, and I think the captive audience has now become less captive in most places. Even if churches are not um, you know, starting to open up their physical locations again, people are out in most cases. However you feel about that, it's true, right? And so you know, I think you know, eventually soccer practices will happen again tournaments yeah. will happen. And so I think I agree, Ray. And I think we're just seeing also a uh, normal attendance patterns start to take hold in the digital world. Lee, I actually think you got the answer here in, in this graph. Cause a, a lot of the times that we're going to lose people if all we're doing is providing content, because if all we are doing is providing content, there's going to be better content. Jay Crando over at Saddleback tweeted a, a stat and actually it made me explode. My head exploded. I literally, I tweeted the emoji like 140 times of, of the head exploding when I saw the stat. 10% of people have swapped to churches in this COVID season. 10% of people have changed the churches that, that they're going to because the content ultimately wasn't good enough. And if the content that we're watching isn't good enough, they're going to go somewhere else. People unless leave on what? content. Unless what? Unless we get them on mission, unless right. we get them engaged, which is, which is the heart of this thing. Church online is, is the first step of, of a service, which leads into some sort of a content where I'm interacting in a chat room or, uh, or the, the church is communicating with me via a welcome text. I'm now engaged in, in a two-way conversation, which is leading towards a, a connection where there's different things with Facebook and, and a Discover class and, and a personal gift from the church where you're starting to stair-step people who are cold to the church or even cold to, to God into a warmer relationship with the church, into a ultimately into a face-to-face -face as quickly as possible interaction. I've if been, we, the church, cared about the face-to-face, -face, we wouldn't be worried about investing in digital. 
it's pennies compared to what launching a campus is. At the end of the day, it's the more that we can engage people in community and create this movement that you've described in this chart. It's how that we, the church, can can thrive and multiply even in this season. So I'm sorry, Lee, I cut you off. Go ahead. I was cutting you off. I, yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is that I popped on our Discover Lounge last night uh, and just because just I wanted to. You know, it happens every Tuesday night in a Zoom room, and we have people that are facilitating that. But, man, it just so inspires me, you know. And we've moved a monthly environment to a weekly environment. We believe that things move faster in the digital world, that I'm not going to sign up digitally for something that doesn't happen for three more weeks, that I'll sign up on a Sunday for something that happens tomorrow night or in 48 hours. And I think that's true, but we'll, we'll see. But man, I pop on there and, you know, there's a dozen people in a, there's a dozen uh, little squares like we're looking at in a Zoom room with couples both sitting around a table staring into the camera, single people staring at the camera from both Las Vegas and other places, watching the values of the crossing go by in a presentation, facilitating a Q&A, um, talking to them about getting connected in an online group. And I'm just like, man, like this is amazing just to see this, you know, and again, we get enamored by rooms of hundreds, right? We want, we get these, these sort of numbers of, man, our first step, we need to have 50 people show up this month or 75 people show up. But what's cool about the digital is you they become so story-based like we've all talked about. So you're literally dealing with people one-on-one -on -one and you're seeing people in, 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 it's just, yeah, it's different than physical. It's different than eyeball to eyeball, but there are some things that can happen virtually that I'm not sure would happen at the speed that they happen if it was based on a physical, a, a physical um, a setup. That's awesome. Well, hey, I have, I've loved this podcast. I've, I've loved this conversation. The idea of creating a pathway, an engagement pathway like this. And, and once again, I've said it, dozen times on this podcast, click the link, look at it, take, take a look at this and, and even start to figure out how uh, your church can, can kind of pivot towards this or develop something like this. Well, Lee, let me even ask this question as we're, as we're wrapping up here. I don't have this, I don't have a plan like this. I may not even have a plan like this for my physical church. Like how do I even get started in developing something like this for my church? Yeah, I think one of the things that's key on that digital chart that I want to mention as I, as I answer that is, if you look at it on the left, there's some core foundational words, contact, connect, community. Those, those are words that we believe in as far as those, those are the, the movement steps. The reason there's those lines and the items on the right is because those are, those are um, the methodology behind the objective, and those are very interchangeable. So even right now, seven, eight, nine weeks in, we're still working on those things on the right. And I've told my team, we're not going to spend months. Like if something's not working towards connection or towards community, we're going to scrap it and we're going to innovate. And so right now, everything you see on the right is still in play, but mm. I can't guarantee you that in a month that some of those things won't shift or change or be eliminated based on effectiveness towards the objective. So I wanted people as they look at that chart to understand, I, wouldn't, I would be able to tell them some practical things we've learned, but I wouldn't want to be the guy telling them, follow this model exactly and your world will blow up with engagement. Um, hmm. But uh, you know, 
I've developed these tools alongside our Grominum group and uh, working with some other teams. And, you know, I'm sure you'll link to me um, along with my day job. I'd love to talk to people if we could be of any help or make some suggestions. Obviously, we'd love to do that. And the stuff that you guys are doing and the forums that you guys have as well will continue to help people. Um, I think it's key time, man, Jeff, Ray. I think, you know, as people re-enter, um, stating again what I stated earlier, I just think this is the core time for us to make some decisions around what is online going to look like for us because yeah. uh, uh, it, 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 those decisions will have a huge impact on your church's uh, ability to really fulfill the great commission at its peak that God intends in this next, in this next season. Very, very well said, by the way, I'm assuming in this funnel, like you've got six or seven steps, church online, contact connection, community, online groups, community response, engaged. Like I'm assuming that's your metrics. That's what you're measuring, right? Where people are. And so like, it's not just the butts in the seats number. You're, you're measuring at each level of the, the funnel through there, sure. which is giving you the, yeah. the number you're looking for, for sure. which like is a more, more balanced approach. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Like a, um, a percentage number is generally how we're doing it. So I can give you the first month, which I haven't got recent numbers, but the first month we had 100 people, 105 people who um, RSVP'd for our Discover. One of the things we didn't talk about is we killed our digital connection card in the first two weeks because it was a response and an ask towards nothing. And there, and so we thought, let's let's just immediately move them to this lounge which totally violates our physical principles that we would do in our physical locations. So basically when they RSVP for the lounge, they're giving us the same information they were giving us on the connect card. They're just RSVPing. And so we had 103 people that RSVP'd. We had about 60% who actually showed up. Um, and we had 30%, um, I'm sorry, we had 50% of that 60% that, so we had 100 RSVP, 60 show up, 35 who ended up in an online group. Those were our, those were our main, um, April to May numbers right after Easter. That's awesome. Yes, and we feel really, I mean, if we had that, honestly, you guys, if we had that in a physical month, um, we would call that pretty effective. Um, engagement and moving people through the pipeline. So we felt pretty good about that. But to your, to your bigger question, yes, we can see data-wise where things are working or where things stop working potentially and where we need to pivot with our methods. Yeah, I, I love that. And accountability is, is so crucial with having something like this. And people are asking me, well, how, how do you count? They're trying to compare like the, the physical and the online and you start to get to the, the multipliers, which my gosh, that just complicates things so much when you have those multipliers. And all of a sudden you, you starting to get false stats coming back in where you don't really know the true story. If, if you put your metrics on this and you hold each level accountable, not for you know, some multiplier, which producing these awesome numbers, but the ministry of what's actually happening and you're able to evaluate and adjust in there. I love what you said about how, man, the stuff that's on the right side of this graph, like it may change if it's not effective. If, if chat rooms and welcome text is not effective ways of contacting, then let's change. You know, I, I can tell you in my own experience, like Facebook messenger cold calling is hugely effective right now. Now for, you know, three months, six months, 18 months, sure, at some point that's going to change. And when the numbers drop because you're evaluating that, you'll 
you'll move to the next thing. But you you have a more balanced kind of dipstick approach across the entire thing, as opposed to just kind of watching that one number and celebrating when, you know, the Facebook ads are to your benefit and you get more traffic that way. So well, to be man, honest, Lee, that top of the, the top of the funnel measurements is where you really begin to measure. I mean, if we're honest, it's when that contact is made, and that yeah. real engagement starts to happen, that's really the number that matters. Everything else is just eyeballs that are difficult to really um, ascertain what, who is that and why are they watching and how long are they watching. But man, when they take a step, when they self-identify as, hey, I'm here and I'm interested in engaging, not just clicking on the thumbs up or the heart, but I'm literally interested in engaging, to me, that's when the numbers really start mattering because they really start reflecting lives and movement and life change. That was a great line to end. I love how that was so well said. Thank you. It does. It's, it's when you get to that next level, when you get to the contact, that's where, where they self identify themselves. That's where, that's where the challenge starts. That's not where the challenge ends. And so Lee, man, thank you for that. Ray, as we're, landing the the plane and any closing thoughts what are you thinking on your side lee i love this uh you know just the fact that you were so open about this pathway and i think a lot of people who are going to look at that link in the show notes are actually going to discover how much of this they're going to want to either copy over or how they can really adapt their own strategy into this which a lot of folks aren't necessarily thinking into and if, if you're leading a church and you're not thinking through pathways, then the reality is, is you're still just thinking of Sunday morning, even if that's online. As we're landing the plane, Lee, any, any closing thoughts on your side? Just encourage guys and gals that are leading, you know, where, where you are in this season to look beyond just the replication of your Sunday experience and pushing it into people's living room. But to begin to take the, the, the great commission we've been given and in your context and in your way to begin to see how can I leverage digital moving forward, as people have been exposed, as people have been embracing, um, as we move forward into this new normal, how do I reshape what I'm doing in order to see life transformation happen? That it wouldn't just be a supplement to what we're doing physically, but that it would become really a catalytic thing for your church to begin to stretch their influence and see the kingdom of God advance. That would be in whatever way, shape, or form or strategy you use, that would be my strong encouragement to anyone that's listening. Yeah, love that very much. And the the marriage of the two, of, of the physical and the digital working together, um, going with a digital strategy does not mean that you're abandoning the building. Now, I'm, I'm a cutting-edge guy. If you want to talk about a digital-only church, I would love to have that conversation. But sure. for the majority of churches out there, you're not ready for it. And, and, and as a matter of fact, the culture needs the physical aspect of it too. Like, just like we're in the middle of digital um, frustration and burnout, we need that physical engagement even in this COVID season. So figure out how the two can marry together and create that discipleship strategy, this, this digital engagement pathway that we we're linking to and talking about to help figure out what the next steps are. Uh, and, and also to hold accountable for the, for the path of, of, how your church is doing in, in the digital space. So Lee, man, I want to thank you for jumping on this and sharing that. So very much appreciate you um, for that. For Ray, for Lee, this is Jeff at the Church Digital. Thanks for jumping on the podcast again. And we'll see you next time here at the show. Y'all have a good day.